for listening to FYI Stillwater, where you will hear information about your local government you didn't know you need to know straight from the source. Be sure to check out other news and information from the City of Stillwater at stillwater.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher, Director of Marketing and Civic Engagement. Today, my co-host is Assistant City Manager, Paula Dennison. Hi. How are you doing today, Paula? I'm great to be inside in the cool. How are you today? Kind of the same way. It's been really hot. Yeah, it has. Today's a little more windy, so it doesn't make it as bad out there. Yeah, I went for two walks on Saturday, Uh and I had to take all day Sunday to recover because I was so uh, dehydrated. It drains you. And my muscles don't work as well when it's as hot as it has been when I do my rounds either. So who's our guest today, Paula? Today, we have the Stillwater Chief of Police, Jeff Watts, with us as our guest today. And he has been quite busy in the last couple of weeks. It's been a lot of, um, it's been a kind of a weird time uh, in general, but... The pandemic kind of got kicked off the front pages with um, the George, George Floyd arrest and and the subsequent protest. And the topic kind of keeps continuing, and it's, uh, it's a conversation that's not ended yet. So it would be really great to have some insight from the uh, chief of police. Yes, yeah, it will. And he can definitely give it to us, I'm sure. Uh, I do have a couple of basic facts from our PD Facebook page. Share some basic facts, Paula. I would love to. So the first is the handle is at Stillwater Police, which if you do not like it or follow it, then you're outnumbered because we have over 18,000 people that like the at Stillwater Police Facebook page. And it's a fun site. I mean, there's a lot of uh, good information, but there's also some sassy information like uh, National Donut Day. Was uh, donuts on a barbell? The donuts were the weights, weren't they? Yeah, they had been working up for it all year. It was cute. I really liked it. Uh, Another one, the post on June 1st was a message from Jeff, our guest today, the Chief of Police, about the upcoming Black Lives Matter protest. That one post reached more than 52,000 people, and more than 23,000 people reacted overwhelmingly positive by liking or sharing it. Yeah, that was a that was a big number. So it was a topic that people really are interested in. Well, welcome, Jeff. Uh, you've you're a return guest. You've been here before. I remember last time we talked about your uh, uh, your ponytail. I think that's. Yes, yes. Thank you for having me back. Uh, yes, last time we talked about the rat tail. Yeah, you were I supposed was... to bring me a picture, and I don't think I've seen it yet. Yes, probably for good cause. That's something you can't unsee. <laughs> you can't unsee. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know how we began it. We're going to do a lightning round. And we're All gonna right. We're going to ask you some random but revealing questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so you've kind of given this away. You must have cheated and looked at my list. Jeff, are you a good dancer? Oh Lord, no! It would be, it would be one of those things again. You could not unsee. Um, <laughs> you don't want to see me on the dance floor. I can assure you of that. Well, you know, there's just a few of us in here. You could demonstrate for us how it's not video. poorly you dance. Yeah, it's not video. Oh. I'm, I'm afraid the squeals and the uh, <laughs> screaming and the running like your hair was My on eyes. fire would be My a giveaway. <laughs> Okay, so we've established he's not a good dancer, but I'm not really convinced. No, me either. Yeah. Uh-uh. Okay, next. What is your best scar story? 
Ooh, that could be a good oh, one. Oh, wow. So when I was probably a young teenager, maybe 13, uh, my sister and I were out riding bikes and she crashed and I was laughing at her. And while I was laughing at her, the chain came off of my bike and I flipped it and, and scarred my knee pretty good. So it was payback for me uh, picking on my little sister. Uh, that is uh way it ends up working out like yeah you. and most most scar stories they're siblings anyway yeah just about everyone i've ever heard i got one more for you if all you're right. ready and this Let's... was not on cherry's <clears throat> list Uh oh here we go all right what is your favorite lake activity mm. oh i love to just sit on the sandy beaches of keystone lake and just watch the boats go by and watch the kids play in the water is that your downtime that is my downtime when was the last time you got to do that? Saturday. While you all were enduring the heat that you were just talking about, yeah, it was pretty I hot. was enjoying the lake and a shade and uh, watching my kids play in the water. You could have picked me up on the way down the road. I know, but you I like to just hang it. out on the lake and watch the kids. And most people want to go boating and move around. And I like to just, that's my lazy time. Yeah, it's kind of mine too. I could do that too. So. Well, it's, it's good to have it though. Yeah. You've got to have some downtime. Especially in the atmosphere we're in now, like we've yes. been, you know, pushing our way through this pandemic. And then um, we had this incident in uh, Minnesota with the uh, George uh, Floyd arrest. Uh, it's been in all of the news. It's really affecting. At first, it was, you know, it was larger cities were protesting and, and it really did trickle down to the smaller cities, including Stillwater. Um, can we, Jeff, could you maybe uh, give us some thoughts on your, your perspective of that arrest and you know, what your thoughts are there and what we need to take away from that? Well, you know, I think like 99.9% of U.S. law enforcement, when we watched that arrest, we were just as offended, horrified, appalled, as every other American, that is not how we treat any anyone we come into contact with, whether they're a citizen or not. It doesn't matter. We treat everyone the same, fairly and equally. But, you know, we all took an oath, uh, and the badge to us is more than just a piece of metal on our chest. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of trust. It's a symbol of, of uh, protecting and serving our communities. And it's a symbol that we all hold very dear to our hearts. And to see someone violate that trust and violate that symbol of what we represent, uh, it's, it's really, really hard. And it's been hard on every officer uh, who, who comes to work every day and does the right thing and, and takes care of people to see someone abuse that authority and, and literally take a man's life. Because I mean, it was, I mean, it was very hard to to look at. But then you start seeing all the posts. It's like, oh, well, that's a legitimate way to um, arrest somebody. I mean, like that's a legitimate uh, hold position. So you know, it was a lot of stuff that I was kind of curious about. Is is that something that is in, on the books that you can do? Well, it all depends on the situation. You know, there's a lot of talk out there about use of force continuums, and you know, if the if the person you're in contact with does A, you do B, they do B, you do C, and it's never quite that simple. Um, you know, anybody who's been in a street brawl or has fought for their life um, knows that there are things that occur that, that aren't on the books, that aren't taught in a classroom because you cannot what if every scenario. If 
if a situation calls for deadly force, you know, the first thing a person thinks of is the officer using his gun. But deadly force is any deadly force. If your life is in imminent danger of death and you decide to use your car to protect you or whatever you can get your hands on, deadly force is deadly force. And, you know, when it comes to use of force, you know, if you're fighting somebody uh, and you're down on the ground and you're fighting for your life, you may hit them in some place you were never taught to hit them, but that is part of part of the event. Um, so we don't teach um, to put your, you know, your knee and smash someone's neck, but in, in the heat of the moment and the battle, so to speak, it could happen. But once things are under control, there's no need to continue that use of force. You de-escalate appropriate with the situation. Uh, once someone uh, starts to comply, then you de-escalate your use of force to meet that compliance so that you only use the force necessary to control the situation. And what we saw in George Floyd's arrest was that was a completely de-escalated uh, situation. However, you still had an officer who kept his knee on on Mr. Floyd's neck uh, for <clears throat> almost nine minutes, and so there was there was absolutely no call for that. Yeah, it was hard to watch. It was seriously hard to watch. Um, but but it has resulted in a lot of conversation as well about. I mean, and the Black Lives Matter um, movement has has really taken off. I mean, there's been a lot of um, uh, protests throughout the country. Uh, last week, we even had a protest here uh, in front of City Hall, specifically in front of the police department um, from the Black Lives Matter group. And uh, it was a very peaceful protest. Uh, and Jeff, if you would like to elaborate some on um, on that protest itself, and uh, what all we were able to accomplish together with the with the protesters? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I thought things just could not have went any better. Uh, there was a lot of passionate speakers, a very engaged crowd, and we were all there for the same common goal. We were all there to ensure that we start some of these conversations that seem to have been lost over the last uh, few years. Uh, you know, as we kind of started this year, the coronavirus showed up and, and kind of sidetracked everybody. But I think this event kind of brought us back to some of the more important things we need to focus on, which are these these concerns that there is unfair treatment uh, of certain members of our community. You know, uh, late uh, in 2019, uh, we had, a, had another event where uh, there was concerns that the Hispanic community was being targeted and we opened up our you know our lines of communication during that event and and tried to reach out to the community and and we offered opportunities for uh, members of the Hispanic community to meet with leaders to talk about their concerns and things just kind of kind of lost their speed but this kind of reminded us of the importance of continuing those conversations and uh, Emily Croft, who was kind of the spearhead of getting this event up and running, we met with her prior to uh, the the protest, and, and it was a really positive conversation. And we, and what we took away from that was we all have the same same desires is to ensure that uh, our community knows that we're here to take care of them, uh, to treat them fairly, no matter the color of their skin, their ethnicity where they're from it, it doesn't matter 
we want them all to feel that they are just as important as the person next to them. And, um, you know, I think this protest, one of the things that I was most impressed about was just our citizens. Uh, you had a lot of professional protesters, is what I'll call them, who come in from out of town. I talked to several that had traveled more than four hours just to be here for the protest. But our local citizens showed up, and, and they showed up with an open heart to listen to what's going on so that they were uh, more aware of the concerns of the community and, and kind of, you know, taking that initial step to make changes in themselves as well. I think the thing that... Um that, that I took away from it was actually when you were talking, Jeff, when you were talking about, you know, if you don't feel comfortable coming and talking to an officer, you know, go to, uh, when it, go to a church or go to, to those other uh, organizations that you've had, you, you've got a relationship with, that if you trust the reverend or somebody, then they, they you, you have, a, I guess, a better feeling to, uh, to share what you're thinking, perhaps. Yeah, we want, we want our folks, our community members, to feel comfortable coming in and talking to us. But we understand that sometimes it can be intimidating uh, going to a police department where you feel like maybe you were treated unfairly. And so we, I encouraged uh, you know, our community members to reach out to a community leader. Everyone knows a community leader, whether it's their, at their church or at their baseball team or uh, any any type of sporting event or any type of specialty that, that uh, our citizens are involved in, they know a leader or someone who can be their voice if they are not strong enough or not ready to come forward uh, to the police department. And we try to make it as inviting as possible. Uh, I will say that since, um, since the conversation that we had during the protest of how open our doors are and how, how willing we are to work with our citizens. I've had a lot of folks reach out to me, and uh, it's been a very positive, been a very positive interaction, and I look forward to where we go from here. And, and I think that's one of the things about Stillwater that is so unique to this community. Um, we're small enough yet large enough to right. have protest, but during the protest, we know whether it's police department and community leaders or ministerial association and alliance or, you know, any of those. And they were all out there. They were all out there. And there's so many relationships already established mm -hmm. that it's not a, oh, I'm going to throw you out on a limb ministerial association. Even though I don't know you, I'm going to call out you as a resource right. in case somebody's not comfortable enough coming to the PD. Mm -hmm. This community has really stepped up and developed those mm -hmm. relationships up and down, cross, you know, just all over the place. Yeah, I think that, like I said, that's really what um, it, it just really resonated with me. Um, because if you don't feel comfortable going to the police and you have a need, what, you know, what, what can you do? And this was an alternative that maybe some people would, might not think about. So anyway, I thought that was really powerful. So for the, the, rank, the rank and file officers, how does a situation like this, how does it resonate with them? Is it something um, that they, so what I want to know, Jeff, is how does this affect the regular officers, the rank and file? I think it adds a level of stress uh, beyond the daily stress they encounter. I don't think um, the average citizen sometimes realizes the amount of stress the officer carries around with them, you know, whether it's 
a traffic stop or a shoplifting call or just stopping to get a Coke, um, that officer's a target. And um, he can be placed, he or she can be placed in a life or death situation in, in a matter of seconds. When you add in uh, the concerns that there's a lot of uh, individuals in our society who look at the officer as part of a systemic racism problem, that makes them a bigger target. That makes it easier to devalue that officer as a human and just see them as a agent of the government or a person of oppression, and, and it is not the case. So the officer is much more aware of what's going on around them, and I believe it makes them much, uh, much, much less likely to engage certain members of the community for fear of how that will be viewed uh, by somebody who's videotaping them with a with a cell phone or trying to aggravate the situation and so it does create a lot of tension um, that wasn't there before uh, or had uh, subsided and now has flourished again the officers of the Stillwater Police Department they have some of the highest ethics of any individuals I've ever worked with they love this community uh, the color of your skin, where you're from, what you do, what your religion is, um, your sexual orientation. All they care about is uh, taking care of you. And when that comes into question and everyone is, not everyone, but a lot of members of our society are are putting them under a microscope, it it does make them kind of pull back and think, Wow, e even just simply stopping to talk to somebody uh, to check on them can be totally twisted and blown out of proportion. Um, so th they can have the best of intentions, but what somebody posts on social media can be so twisted that it, it does. It causes them to, to have a lot of anxiety and stress that they weren't dealing with before, and, and frankly, it's really unfair to them. So, so it is a, it's a, a movement that we we do need to talk about it, it you know i think as a city you start making sure that you look at policies that maybe you didn't think about previously that is it affecting people of color in a different way that maybe you've not looked at i heard him uh in conversations with the young lady that organized uh -huh. the protest talk about how selective the stillwater police department is in the folks that they hire. So Jeff, could you elaborate just a little? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people uh, look at our hiring process and think, you know, they, they're just filling spots. You know, the first guy or gal that comes in that meets the minimum requirements, we're gonna hire them and put them out on the street uh, with little to no training and expect them to provide the most professional police services available uh, to our community. And that is, nothing could be further from the truth. Our selection process is, I would say, is one of the most rigorous selection processes you will find at any law enforcement agency in the United States. A great example of that is, is during our last hiring process, uh, we had six openings. We had almost 140 candidates that were selected to test. That's not the number of applications we received. It was far more than that. But we selected 140 of the top uh, candidates to to start the testing process. Wow. 
And at the end of the day, we offered, we gave a conditional offer to five people. So we took that 140 down to five. And of those five, we only selected four. So we are that selective. Our training process is 17 weeks of in-house training that covers everything from defensive tactics, laws that we work under, the policies and procedures that we work under. Uh, we cover such a broad range of topics in our in-house program, and that's a 17-week in-depth program of everything from de-escalation to racial profiling to policies and procedures and following the law and ethics and uh, physical fitness. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. If the if the new officer hasn't been to the CLEAT uh, training, which is the basic law enforcement academy for Oklahoma, that's another 15 weeks of intensive training they receive. Then they come back here for a 17-week uh, field training program where they are with a senior trainer who evaluates everything they do every day for 17 weeks. They are under another microscope to ensure that they treat the public fair, to make sure that they understand the ordinances and the laws, that they understand where they're going, that their driving behaviors are correct. So it the whole process from the time we hire someone till till the time they become a solo officer is almost a year. And that whole entire time, they're being evaluated every day. And then they're on probation for a full 18 months. So if that, if that officer is not meeting our rigorous standards, then, then they can be dismissed. Uh, because we only want the top performers. We only want the folks that are going to represent the city as professionals out there representing the Stillwater Police Department and the city of Stillwater. And, Cherry, the reason I ask that uh -huh. um, is because all of the um, national news here lately Why? about uh, some considerations to defund police departments right. and other uh, very extreme actions yeah. uh, to be taken. So I thought I thought that would be a good mm. explanation of... You know, you can talk all of these, have all these conversations, but here's the facts about Stillwater, Oklahoma, yeah. because Stillwater, Oklahoma is very unique in many of the things mm -hmm. we do and how we are. Uh, so that was a, a good piece of information for Jeff to provide to us. Yeah, because there is a lot of conversation of taking very drastic steps uh, just in society as a whole. Right. And these conversations do need to be had, but... Um, Get all your correcting, facts. yeah, uh -huh. may not be. Uh, you know, we really need to look at what we're doing. So, uh, anyway, I think that's been was really interesting, Jeff. And um, you know, I would like to also invite you back and maybe bring an officer with you the next time, and we can continue this conversation. Yeah, I think that would be great. You know, if you look around our police department, you will see that we're a very diverse culture ourselves, and so I think it would be good to hear. Uh, different perspectives uh, from, from the officers. You know, the one thing I'll add before we kind of close up is Sir Robert Peel, who is considered the father of law enforcement, kind of developed our founding principles in 1829. And one of those founding principles was, you know, community trust. Um, and I think we've done a great job here of, of developing that. We have a lot of support from our community. But when we start talking about defunding the police or disbanding the police, Sir Robert Peel put it best when he said that police exist so that we don't have to have a military occupation 
for law and order. And I think that's something that we've lost sight of as a, as a society. If you defund the police or you remove the police, you now have to have some type of law and order. And it's either vigilante justice or military occupation. Those are your two options. Yeah, that is something to think about for sure. And it is interesting that the, that is like the conversations that are being had right now, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yes lots to think about. <laughs> so, yes, we are definitely going to have you back, and we'll bring an officer or two with you the next time. So thank you so much, Jeff, and hope you get to spend a little more time at the lake. All right. Thank you. Before we go, let's take a look at the mailbox. The city receives questions in a lot of ways, including emails, social media, even phone calls. So our first question uh, in the mailbox is from Jordan. She asks this on Facebook Messenger. Does the city require permits for garage sales, and are there any regulations about where I can put the garage sale signs? Paula, this is a really good question. We get asked quite a bit. We do quite a bit, especially this time of year. Permits are not required for garage sale, so that's an easy. Okay. Signs, you do need permits for them depending on the size, but the small yard signs Uh with the with the permission of the owner of the property that you're going to put the sign in, you can put the sign there. But if you put it there and do not get their permission, they have the right to remove it. Second part of that, do not put signs along the highway on state highways, which is 177 and Highway 51. So, so that's you got 6th Street Sixth and Street, Perkins Road. Perkins Road. And then you got that little bit of Richmond Road from oh, Perkins yeah. over to Washington by Lakeview Golf yeah. Course, Lakeside. And then north on uh, on North Washington, Boomer. It's got so a number of So if people are putting, uh, like, stapling their garage sale signs at the intersection, of 6th and Perkins, it's just going to get removed. It is going to get removed, yes, and will not be returned to you. So don't waste your money or your time or your energy on putting it up there. Find not on a highway and on somebody's private property and get their permission. All right, that's good advice. Second question today, Jeannie asked about the city pool and splash pad openings. So we're still in the middle of a pandemic, and there's still uh, emergency proclamations and state regulations. And what do you know on this, Paula? The city pool is going to remain closed this year. It is run and managed by the YMCA, but they have agreed with us to keep it closed this year. Yeah. Uh, the splash pads, they are open. We are reevaluating those in case there's a rebound or a surge in the, in the virus. We're going to have to take another look at it. But for right now, the splash pads are open. We just encourage everybody to maintain as much social distancing as you possibly yeah. can at the splash pads. Especially when your toddlers are running around. Yes, touching everything. Right. Well, um, I'm glad the splash pad's open because I walk out at Boomer and sometimes just walking through that mist is all I need in this heat. Yeah, well, good for you for walking out at Boomer. Yeah, me and everyone else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a busy park. Yeah, maintain your social distance. Absolutely. Wash your hands after you touch everything. Right. Bring your own hand sanitizer. Yeah. Uh, Yes. But yeah, it's a a lovely walk. It is very uh, nice. 
a lot of people are out there. It's really nice to see folks getting out again. Yeah, it is. Um, so anyway, so that's our podcast today. Thank you for listening to FYI Stillwater. If you like this episode, please give us a like or a comment and share it with your friends. And stay tuned for our next podcast. If you have a question for City Hall, email news at stillwater.org. And in the next podcast, we'll answer a few of them. FYI Stillwater is available on our website at stillwater.org, Spotify, and just about anywhere else you enjoy your podcast.